Mahomes Politicast. I am Jim. I'll be your host today. Hope you're having a fantastic week. It's been pretty well for me. Nothing spectacular, but nothing really bad either. We have a number of stories today that are uh, related to things going on around the country. Uh, I just, today, uh, actor William Shatner went off into space. Uh, you know, he's known for his role in Star Trek, obviously. Um, not really, no, I mean, it's noteworthy. It's not a real big deal, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. But it is just interesting. This is a new, uh, hopefully a new phenomenon, or maybe not phenomenon, it's not the right word, but a new phase that we're entering of civilians in space. I'm not, I, I, he wasn't up there very long. I expected him to be up there for a while, but I guess they just kind of went up and came back down. But I do wonder why, maybe it's because they were there for a long time. I started to say, I wonder why astronauts used to have to be trained so long to go into space, and now we have people just going up. But I guess it's probably because they were on a mission and they were going to be there for a lengthy amount of time and had to learn how to run controls and all kinds of stuff. And if you're just going up there real quick, there's not really any reason, I guess. But, but that's always been something that I've been fascinated with and wanted to do at some point. I always thought it would be neat to be able to go into space, but I don't think in my lifetime it's going to be very feasible because I think it's going to be expensive right now for a long time. Just like air traffic was expensive, railways were expensive when they first came out. You know, only super rich people could afford to do it. Um, you know, automobiles were very expensive when they first came out. Very few people had them. So I don't think, unless I suddenly become a celebrity or win the lottery or something, uh, which that's going to be impossible because I don't really play the lottery, but, but if by some chance somebody, you know, gave me a winning lottery ticket or something, um, I doubt I'll be able to go into space, but hopefully in the future, citizens will be able to go into space like, you know, they go to Seattle or anything else. You know, you just up on a rocket ship and head out. So anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that. I just, it's just noteworthy. I mean, and he's the oldest man. He's 90 and he went into space. And that's pretty amazing. Uh, the first article that I have here is from the National Review. It is a more right-leaning publication. But I agree completely with the sentiment of this. It's kind of an, a little bit more of an opinion piece, but it's by Jim Garrity. Garrity? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But it says, Democrats belatedly realize Joe Biden is a lousy leader. Uh, okay, on the menu today, try not to spill anything as you laugh at Democrats as they realize in October of 2021 that Joe Biden is a lousy leader, over-promising and under-delivering and stumbling badly when he needs to communicate clearly. Two questions lurking in the background of the surprise resignation uh, of Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden a horrific scandal in London County Public Schools, and apparently if you work at certain federal agencies, the vaccine mandate isn't really much of a mandate. Um, 
we've got ships sitting 17 miles offshore, waiting nine days each for access to the port of Savannah, Georgia. The backlogs and delays in international shipping are so severe that a supply chain consultant told the Wall Street Journal this weekend, if it wasn't on the water four weeks ago, it's not going to be here by Christmas. The U.S. has 10.9 million unfilled jobs, another record, while the workforce participation rate drags, particularly among women, despite the reopening of the nation's schools. Gas prices are skyrocketing, grocery prices are skyrocketing, in the words of CNN, America's economic recovery has hit a roadblock, and the total U.S. public debt has reached $28.4 trillion. Um, if you're looking, if you're looking for a laugh amidst all the bad news, there's the remarkable phenomenon of Joe Biden fans stumbling around in shock that things are going so poorly. CNN warns that mounting problems test Biden's presidency and Democrats hold on power. 538 asks, why has Biden's approval rating gotten so low so quickly? Political offers a headline that is a quote from a Democratic strategist named Simon Rosenberg. The president's decline is alarming. No, that's not a reference to Biden's mental abilities or memory. The story accompanying that headline has some equally alarming quotes from other strategists. There is a malaise, said Sarah Longwell, a moderate Republican strategist who became a vocal supporter of Biden in 2020 and led the focus group of Democratic voters. People don't feel like their lives have been improved. They did sort of feel that promises aren't being kept. Joe Biden isn't keeping his promises? Who could have seen that coming? One of the reasons that covering presidential campaigns is less interesting than it used to be is that the primaries, and to a certain extent, the general election, have turned into contests in which the candidates can make the biggest, most grandiose, and most unrealistic promises. And often these candidates are numbskulls who doesn't have the slightest idea how to bring those promises to fruition. Lest you think Joe Biden was a realistic one in the Democratic primary compared to Bernie Sanders, allow me to remind you that in June of 2019, Biden pledged that, quote, I've worked so hard in my career that I promise you, if I'm elected president, you're going to see the single most important thing that changes America. We're going to cure cancer, end quote. Once a loudmouth career politician has pledged to cure the most dreaded disease that kills almost 600,000 Americans every year, promising I'm going to shut down the virus is easy. Biden also promised to cut prescription drug prices by 60%, put Social Security on a path to solvency, make public colleges and universities tuition-free for families who earn less than $125,000 a year, and to create 4.4 million jobs by September 2021. Biden doesn't know how to do any of this. He just thinks that if he throws money at a problem, it will get solved. As for the shutting down the virus, the administration's current stance is that the reason the pandemic is still a problem in American life is because of the unvaccinated. Okay, but 95% of American seniors, 78.2% of American adults, and 76.4% of all eligible Americans have gotten at least one shot. Well, that's pretty darn good. We're vaccinated almost all of the vulnerable, 
And we've certainly vaccinated just about all of those who are vulnerable and willing. So why isn't life getting back to normal now? Now, the New York Times reports that, quote, almost all the eligible adults who remain unvaccinated in the United States are hardcore refusers. And the arrival of boosters is making efforts to coast them, as well as those who are still hesitant, even more difficult. In the September Vaccine Monitor Survey from the Kaiser Family Foundation, 71% of unvaccinated residents, or respondents, I'm sorry, said the need for boosters indicated the vaccines were not working, end quote. The administration's messaging on boosters has been a mess, and Biden's getting all the grief of having a federal employer vaccine mandate without the Occupational Safety and Health Administration actually releasing a federal employee vaccine mandate. But mostly Americans see that the guy who pledged to shut down the virus hasn't shut it down 10 months into his presidency. Joe Biden is supposed to be an experienced hand at Capitol Hill at deal-making, but he seems really vague on what he wants out of the spending deal. He shocked his own allies by whipping against his own bipartisan inf infrastructure deal, saying it would put, uh, I'm getting too excited about this, folks, saying it should be put on the back burner until the much bigger Build Back Better spending bill has enough votes to pass. Biden can go out into the states and stump for his bill, but his approval ratings are weak. No wavering, no wavering Democrats fear him. And Biden's not much of an orator. He clearly doesn't like getting into the details of policy when he speaks off the cuff. Jen Psaki usually has to do cleanup the next day. Biden's own special envoy for climate, John Kerry, has not so subtly suggested that Biden doesn't understand the, the consequences of his policy initiatives. Biden seems to have absorbed liberal historian suggestions that he can be the next Franklin Roosevelt or Lyndon Johnson, but ignores the fact that he doesn't have large, like-minded congressional majorities. Ironically, there was one role Biden might have excelled in, the one he posed in while winning the Democratic primary, the moderate, wise, elder statesman who tells the progressive wing of his party no when they go too far. But that's the role... Biden has chosen to abdicate. As Charlie Cook asked last week, what is Biden good at? In the eyes of uh, Jonathan Last of the Bulwark, this is the true horror found in recent focus groups of Pennsylvania Democrats. Quote, not one of them liked Biden personally. They all viewed him as a normal lying politician. None of them believed that Republicans were to blame for the administration's failures, end quote. Credit the members of that focus group who remembered who controls what in Washington. A side effect of a party's having the White House, a slim House majority, and a nominal Senate majority is that the public sees that the ruling party is responsible for what the government does, even if getting all 50 senators in one party is to agree is difficult. You probably noticed this contradiction in the debt ceiling fight. All year long, congressional Democrats have insisted that even if their majorities are slim, they are not obligated to make any concessions to Republicans in their massive spending bills. After all, they've got the majorities as long as everyone in the party is unified. But the moment Democrats realized voting to raise the debt ceiling was going to end up, 20, end up in 2022 attack ads, they insisted the debt ceiling couldn't be raised unless Mitch McConnell and Republicans help. But it doesn't work both ways. 
Democrats control the White House and Congress, and they're responsible for what the executive and legislative branches have done since January 20th. And with that comes de facto responsibility for the state of the country. Uh, the article goes on, but um, I, I love that article. This is something that we've talked about for a long time. I know I've talked about it privately. I know um, the other host of the show agrees as well. Uh, he's talked about it. Um, we've talked about it together. That Biden was never popular. He was, it was a fluke that he got elected in 2020 because of the rising pandemic, the lockdowns, the fact that Trump was unpopular, the economy had sunk um, because of the pandemic, uh, and then just the constant hammering about how Trump wasn't doing enough about the virus and these things. You know, it, it was uh, it was a fluke that he won anything from the primary all the way to the general election. He is a horrifically bad candidate. He was. He is. And he's one of the least most deserving presidents in our entire history. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to make any bones about it. He is one of the worst candidates ever nominated um, in history. He was a, a, just a genuinely bad candidate. And if it hadn't been for those few factors, uh, Trump would have won in a huge landslide. I mean, one of the biggest landslides in history. He was, uh, he's just a horrible candidate, a horrible person. I don't, I've never liked Joe Biden. And Joe Biden has has was elected to the Senate before I was born. And I'm in my 40s, for goodness sake. And so I've had lots of experience following politics and following Joe Biden. He's never been a real contender. And you see him now, and he's just completely in over his head. I'm not even going to talk about mental declines or his age or anything like that. Just He's just not a leader. He's never been a leader. He's always been a follower. He's always been a flip-flopper. He's always, uh, you know, tried to be a people pleaser and do whatever he thinks is popular and not what he thinks is right. It's just whatever is popular at the moment, whether it's the crime bill that locked up black people because they were super predators, because that was real popular. Back in the 90s, there was this huge... Uh, Republican movement, conservative movement, I should say. And so, you know, he voted in favor of that crime bill, which was a Republican crime bill because he thought it would help him get reelected. He supported the Defense of Marriage Act. He'd have, he'd have supported the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. He supported all these things because they were popular at the time. And then when they ceased to be popular, he quickly went out and denounced those things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the problem with not standing for principle, because if you stand for principle and the, and, uh, and the country turns against that, you can still say, I believe this. I believe it's the right thing to do. And I can make a case. Even if, even if everyone opposes me, I'm going to stand for this because I believe in this. But when you make decisions based on what you think is popular at the time, then the times change. And you're left uh, trying to, def you know, trying to, to thread this needle. Hillary Clinton had that problem. John Kerry had that problem because they supported the war in Iraq because they wanted to be seen as future presidential candidates. They didn't want to look soft on terrorism. They didn't want to appear 
um, like they weren't standing with the nation. And then when the war started to become unpopular, then suddenly they started the John Kerry's famous, I was for it before I was against it, you know, trying to now explain to people who are angry about the war, as we found out more about it and found out how frivolous the evidence was, how weak the evidence was, then they came out, it was like, oh, I don't, you know, we didn't like that. I, I, you know, I was tricked or whatever. Hillary Clinton claimed she was misled. Kerry claimed that he was for it in the beginning because he liked what we were going to do. And then when he saw what we were doing, then he turned against it, you know, and neither of those candidates won because they look like they just did what was popular. It's the same thing with Biden, you know, supporting the crime bill because he wants to look tough on crime, you know, supporting the wars because he wants to look tough on the war on terror. And then, then it backfired because later the public changed and they said, wait, the crime bill went way too far. Now we're locking up tons of black people on frivolous evidence. I mean, some of the evidence is so low and they're being giving life sentences. This is uh, not good. Well, now Biden, oh, 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 you know, I, I, I didn't really support that bill. I, it was, it was, it was connected with another bill and, you know, and so I never liked Biden to begin with. And I, um, I wasn't sure how Trump was going to fare in 2020 after the virus hit and everything. I mean, I, in the beginning, I still thought he would win, but as it got later, I was like, I, you know, it could go 50, 50. And I really wanted the Democrats to nominate somebody that if if Trump did end up losing, that I wouldn't I, I wouldn't lose hope in the country. You know, I wanted them to at least nominate. I mean, it was I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna support most of what their agenda was, but I wanted them to at least be a decent person, someone who had some principles, someone who um, would at least try to do what was right, even if I disagree with them on a lot of issues. Um, and when it looked like, when it came down to Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, I just, I just gave up like, okay, neither one of these candidates are going to be any good. And if by some fluke, one of them wins, the country's going to be a disaster. And so I wasn't happy at that point. And then, uh, of course the media didn't help. They, they really went, uh, all in for Biden and helped him tremendously. So anyway, it's no surprise to me that everything's falling apart under Biden. And, you know, the Democrats were fools to nominate Biden. Uh, you know, you might say, well, it was great. You know, that's not true because they nominated Biden and he ended up winning. Again, that was a fluke. Uh, in any normal year and against any other candidate, Biden would have lost. There's no way he could have won the general election. But um, anyway, I, I, I don't want this whole episode to turn into a Biden bash. So, but I'm just, I'm happy to see on one hand that the Democrats are suffering a little bit and, and thinking, what did we do? But um, I'm hoping just in case that the Democrats have a good midterm that they um, get rid of Biden and Harris and nominate somebody new. Unfortunately, I don't see that happening. If Biden's not the nominee, I'm pretty sure they'll nominate Harris because she's the sitting vice president and she's a woman and she's black and she, you know, she, 
you know, she, she hits everything, all the marks that they want in a candidate, whether she's qualified or not, they don't care because for symbolic reasons, they think it's important to have a woman president. Doesn't matter if she'll destroy the country, but Hey, you have a woman president. That's all that matters. You know, at least history won't just have a series of men in the, in the, you know, in the long list of presidents, there'll be a woman there. And that's all that matters. Um, so anyway, I'm hoping that they, they dump both of them and try to find someone decent just in case. Because, I mean, that's the thing. I don't – I am not really a member of either party. I used to be a Republican years ago, but the Republicans have not been always doing the things that I think are right. So I've kind of stepped away from being partisan. Republican, like I still have all of the ideas I believe in, but I really don't donate money or, uh, you know, I, 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 I typically vote Republican, but I don't consider myself part of the party. And so I really want to see on both sides, somebody decent because you never know who's going to get elected. You never know. And I would like at least the country to be in decent hands, you know, um, because we saw in Bill Clinton's case, we saw it in Joe Biden's case. Those are two cases where the Democrats um, nominated somebody that really wasn't qualified or a good candidate, and they got elected. I guess you could even say that about Jimmy Carter back in 76, but even though I was alive, I was very, very young and knew nothing about politics. I was what, like one or two when Jimmy Carter got elected and I was only like six when he left office and I didn't know anything about politics. So, but in all those cases, um, Republicans were gleeful that, uh, that they were nominated because everyone said, well, there's no way anyone would vote for them. And in all three of those cases, they did get elected. Uh, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like wishing for the worst candidate. Democrats did the same thing with Donald Trump. You know, some of them even crossed over during the primaries to vote for Trump because they thought he'd be the easiest of all the candidates to beat against Hillary Clinton. And then he got elected and and they weren't laughing then. They thought it was horrible. This is why I really want to see both candidate, both parties nominate candidates who are decent, even if I don't agree with them, because there is a chance they could get elected. And I, I want the country to be in good hands and here in the case of, of Joe Biden, it's just been a disaster, and they really need to dump him. Uh, although I, I really think a Republican will get elected in uh, – well, not four years now, but in the next presidential election. But you know, I – but you never know. You never know what the public's going to think. You never know what can happen between now and then. There's any number of things that can happen, so you don't know. So, But I, I, I just can't stand – Biden and Harris. I, I just can't stand either one of them. Um, let's see. Oh, we're almost halfway through the show, and I am not even started, really. Okay, according to the New York Post, Twitter says no signs that Maxine Waters' account was hacked by uh, Lee Brown. Twitter is insisting there are no signs that Representative Maxine Waters' account was hacked and erased, despite her raising the alarm Tuesday on her still-active account. The California Democrat had insisted that she had, quote, been hacked and my Twitter account has been erased, end quote. 
I know who has done this, she said. I will take care of this. Um, the message baffled followers. She noted the account as well as another she has, just at Maxine Watchers, were both active and neither one was erased. And Twitter later confirmed nothing suspicious appeared to have happened. At this time, we've identified no signs of account compromise, a Twitter spokesperson told Reuters. The conclusion was reached after the social media team had opened lines of communication with their office and have worked with them to ensure the act account is secure. Waters, chair of the House Financial Services Committee, did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Um, I don't follow her on Twitter, so I don't know if she posted something that she was embarrassed about later. All I knew is when the, thing, the story blew up yesterday, I think, and everyone was talking about how, you know, Maxine Waters claimed that her, her account was hacked. And so I don't know if she said something and then later tried to backtrack by claiming her account was hacked. But um, Maxine Waters is a lunatic. She is uh, a, a nut. She has no business being in the United States House. Um, uh, I guess she has some business being in a U.S. prison, but... The House of Representatives or any elected a, fit, a role in government, no. But uh, she's just crazy, and I don't, I don't know what she's talking about or why she would suddenly claim that her account was hacked and erased when it's still up. Like I, I'm not really sure what's going on with her. I mean, it's bad enough if she lied. If there was something that came out. If something that she put out there, because this happens with celebrities sometimes, they'll take a position uh, like a pro-Palestinian position or in this case, an anti-mask uh, uh, anti position on Twitter. And then the public will get angry or they'll receive some backlash and they'll quickly delete that. And sometimes we'll say, my account was hacked. That wasn't me that wrote that. Somebody got into my account, wrote that on there, and I deleted it as, as soon as I saw it. And so I, that would be bad enough if she tweeted something that then she regretted and quickly came out and said, my account was hacked. It would be a lie, and it would be horrible. And she would – she I would be calling on her resignation, and I'm sure others would be too just for lying about something like that. But in this case, it doesn't even appear that's what happened. It just seems like maybe she had, and I'm just speculating here, maybe she had, um, you know, she, she had a moment, you know, of, of uh, mental weakness and just suddenly thought that she'd been hacked and quickly rushed to Twitter to tell all of her followers how she'd been hacked and how her account has been deleted. But there again, you have to wonder, didn't she realize that she's tweeting on the very account that she claimed is now deleted? I, nothing, I can't think of anything that explains it, which makes me think that she had an episode, that she had some kind of a mental episode and she wrote that, or she was drunk. It could be too. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, Maxine Waters is beyond parody. She's just a nut, and 
I don't know why she keeps getting elected. I've never looked at her district. It's obviously a pretty safe district because there's no way people would keep sending her to Congress um, if there was any competition. So, uh, but if if you truly represent your district, then I fear for the people in the district if she's the representative, if she's representative of them, if she's what they act like, if she's what they look like, if she's what they talk like, if she's how they think, then I don't think I ever want to be close to that district because that's a scary thought of a whole district of Maxine Waters. Um, it's just crazy. Anyway, according to The Hill, California to ban gas lawnmowers and leaf blowers. This is by Mike, Michael Schnell. Uh, oh, the People's Republic of California. Once again, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill on Saturday that moves to ban gas-powered lawn equipment in the state, including lawnmowers and leaf blowers, in an effort to limit air pollution. Oh, yeah, that's going to do a lot, I'm sure. You know, because um, we all know that leaf blowers put out so much pollution you can barely breathe. Uh, the bill directs state regulators to stop selling gas-powered equipment that has small off-road engines by January 1st, 2024, or once the California Air Resources Board says such a law is, quote, feasible, end quote, whichever date comes later. The law also calls for new portable gas-powered generators to be zero emission by 2028, according to the Los Angeles Times. That deadline, however, could be pushed back by the state board. Gas-powered equipment with small off-road engines produce a similar amount of smog causing pollution as light-duty passenger cars create in California, according to the Times, which is why lawmakers are working to curb emissions that come from those tools. Uh, using a gas-powered leaf blower for one hour reportedly causes the same amount of pollution to be emitted into the air as does a 2017 Toyota, Toyota Camry driving from Los Angeles to Denver, which spans roughly 1,100 miles, the AP reported, citing state officials. Well, that's just stupid. I'm not even, and there's no source, just that state officials claimed it, yeah. It's amazing how, how people react when they learn how much this equipment pollutes and how much smog-forming and climate-changing emissions the small off-road engine equipment creates, said Assemblyman Mark Berman, the author of the legislation. This is a pretty modest approach to trying to limit the massive amounts of pollution that this equipment emits, not to mention the health impact on the workers who are using it constantly, he added. Oh, the state has allocated $30 million to support professional landscapers and gardeners with switching their equipment from gas-powered to zero emission, according to Berman. Some lawmakers from both sides of the aisle voiced opposition to the bill, according to the Times, airing concerns regarding individuals living in rural areas. Critics specifically pointed to the requirement for portable generators to be zero emission, noting that California often experienced blackouts during wildfire seasons. Oh, this is just beyond dumb. This is just idiotic. This is just another example of them trying to have power over people and probably in conjunction with the generator business, he's probably giving that assemblyman a lot of money to push this so he can sell more generators because this is another example of if they're really serious about stopping pollution in California, 
why are they fooling around with leaf blowers and lawnmowers when businesses, power plants, and these and the like are putting out all kinds of emissions, but they're not doing anything on the big businessmen. They want the little person to have to switch over and incur the cost. I can't go out and mow my lawn if I'm in California with my little push mower because it runs on gasoline. So I have to go out and either hire one of these other people at my own expense to professionally mow my lawn because I can't do it, or I've got to incur the cost again when I'm already struggling with all the taxes that Californians have to pay to now go out and purchase a lawnmower. I mean, uh, to go out and purchase a generator. This is ridiculous. If you're really serious, then make some of the bigwig companies have to move to solar power or wind power or something like this. Do something like that if you're really serious about it. But instead, you're not serious. They can pollute all they want, but you with a leaf blower, oh, you're a danger to California. You're a threat to the world. It's your fault that the oceans are rising and that global warming is occurring, so we want to stop you. This is just ridiculous. They're, they're not going to accomplish anything by, by doing this. I mean, as far as global warming, they're not, they're not going to make a dent by stopping people from using a leaf blower. It's just ridiculous. So anyway, it's just a matter of power. They just want to have power and they want, and, and, and obviously, I mean, there's going to be some uh, financial kickback. I mean, there's some reason why they're wanting us, wanting not us, but them to move to generators. There's, you know, you follow the money. Someone's going to get rich off this. And I imagine the politicians are either going to get rich if they have invested in this stuff, or they're going to get some kind of a kickback campaign contribution, something from the generator business in order to push this. I mean, it's just absolute lunacy. I mean, I really cannot stand California. I just think, and, and the governor, I, I just, I don't know why people put up with it. They tried to get rid of them, but it backfired for a number of reasons, which we won't get into now, but it, it, it could have been a winnable race. I think it really could have been winnable. But anyway, Town Hall is a new website that I found. Uh, and it's pretty good. Uh, probably a little more right-leaning, but it's pretty fair, I think. This is an opinion piece. Uh, I might have to close on this, even though there's lots we could talk about. But um, I'm a little over with the Joe Biden um, rant today. But um, this is an opinion piece by Spencer Brown. And it says, a terse, a terse Nancy Pelosi scolds the media, do a better job of selling Biden's $3.5 trillion budget. Prepare to be triggered. Um, no, when I say triggered, I don't mean like the liberal triggered. I mean, prepare to be upset. Um, not crazy triggered. But um, during a press conference on Tuesday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi confirmed yet again the cozy relationship that exists between the mainstream media and elected Democrats, or at least the one Democrats have come to expect. When asked about why support for President Biden's domestic legislative agenda was waning 
As the trillions of dollars in new spending remain stalled in Congress amid Democrat infighting, Pelosi chose a new target on which to heap the blame. Of course, it wasn't her fault, nor was it President Biden's, apparently. Do you think you need to do a better job at messaging and going forward? How, how do you sell this? Asked the reporter. I think you could all do a better job of selling it, to be very frank with you, Pelosi snapped back. Oh, so it's the media's fault that Americans aren't thrilled about trillions of dollars spent on woke special interests and priorities. It couldn't possibly have anything to do with the inflation that's already hitting Americans across the board. It probably has nothing to do with the rest of Biden's blunders thus far in his presidency that have caused Americans to doubt what he says or Pelosi says is true. Nope, to Pelosi, the media arm of the Democratic National Committee and Biden White House, that is, the mainstream media, has failed to keep up its end of the bargain that apparently includes providing unyielding loyalty and puff pieces on whatever radical Democrats want to foist upon the American people. It's absurd, but of course true. All that's left to do is offer thoughts and prayers to Speaker Pelosi in this trying time of being betrayed by her lapdog reporters and Brian Steltler, who assuredly tried his best but apparently failed to deliver prompt performances they were up to snuff with Pelosi's expectations. Um, this is a, a something that I absolutely can't stand. Uh, I didn't like it with the previous president. Trump would commit, would frequently get angry with Fox News because they would report on something critical about him. And he would get angry because he thought Fox News should be loyal to him and the Republicans. And just bothers me in general. I mean, Fox News, uh, I mean, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be fair and balanced. It's not supposed to be the Republican talking points. It's supposed to re report the actual news, unlike the mainstream media, who reports a, with a very liberal slant. But, and that bothered me when Trump would say that, that, you know, he would get angry because Fox News would be critical of him or say that something he said wasn't true or accurate. And now we see the Democrats doing the same thing. I mean, this just annoys me even more than that because she seems to think that the media's job is to push the Biden agenda. And I don't know where she gets that from except just experience, but there's nothing uh, in the constitution. There's nothing in written law that says that the party in power gets to have unyielding support from the press and that it's the press's job to push whatever agenda the president has. I mean, that's just nonsense. And that has always bothered me. Obama, when he was president, uh, I remember, uh, I don't remember the dates of this. I don't remember what year it was even. But I remember uh, um, somebody from MSNBC, I think it was Ed Schultz, but I might be wrong about that. He was a, uh, 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 whatever you call it, uh, he wasn't a journalist. He was one of those nighttime, you know, people, you know, Fox News has them, MSNBC has them, um, where they're just opinion people. You know, they're just giving you your, their opinion on the news of the day. Uh, I, I don't want to call him an anchor, but he was like that. And he resigned from MSNBC because Obama had 
all of the MSNBC primetime hosts at the White House to sh tell them how to better push his agenda. And Ed Schultz, who has passed away since then, and was at one time when MSNBC wasn't quite as liberal, um, was a respected journalist. And he resigned because he thought it was wrong that the White House was telling news people how to, how to sell his agenda on their network. And I remember just being irate at that. I remember thinking that that is just, it's just, it's just sad. You know, people like, you know, the journalists of old, Walter Cronkite and Eric Severide and, you know, Edward R. Murrow and, and all these great um, journalists of old are probably rolling in their grave. What on earth, why are reporters now becoming an arm of the government? They are independent of the government. That's why there is not listed four branches of government, you know, executive, legislative, judicial, and the media. Um, they're not supposed to be a branch of any government. They're supposed to be independent and reporting to the people uh, what is going on in the government and the truth of what's going on, whether the president or the Congress like what the pre what the press is reporting. And I'm talking about lies. I'm not talking about making up stories like, like they did for Donald Trump about Donald Trump. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actual stories like the fact that the government was lying to us about Vietnam, telling us that we were winning in Vietnam, that the war was coming to an end anytime and the press went over there and discovered that we were not winning in Vietnam, that the government had been lying to us continuously about the amount of troops dying, about, about how much progress we were making. You know, and they started reporting it and infuriated Lyndon Johnson and later infuriated Richard Nixon because they didn't want the public to know what was really going on. They wanted to keep public support of Vietnam high and, you know, and then, they were reporting what the president did not want them to report. You know, like I said, I'm not talking about making up stories. I'm not about fake news. And, you know, Donald Trump called immigrants rapists and murderers and, and said they were, they were, they weren't human. They were animals and they should be exterminated and nonsense like that. I'm not, I'm not talking about that sort of thing. I'm talking about actual reporting. You know, if the president, regardless of party says that, Hey, you know, if you pass this bill, we're going to raise revenues by, you know, 300 billion and we'll only be only have to raise taxes by 1% and the and the reporters find out that it's not going to raise taxes by 1%, it's going to be at least 10% if not more. They report that 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 is not accurate that it's only going to raise taxes by 1%. You know, and it doesn't matter if everybody in Washington hates you now, if all the Congress and the president say I hate you for reporting that. You say, I'm going to report the truth. That's my job is to tell the American people the truth. You lied about that to push it. The whole, you know, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. It was an absolute lie. Obama knew it was a lie. And there were a few brave reporters who reported that and said, that's not true. I've read the bill. The bill does not say you can keep your doctor if you like him. You know, and those reporters were banned from the White House by Obama. You know, that, and that's fine. The reporters have a job to do. They shouldn't be punished for reporting the truth. They shouldn't be 
you know, and they certainly shouldn't be told by anybody, and but specifically in this case, by Nancy Pelosi, it's the reporter's job to sell Biden's Build Back Better bull. Um, you know, it's not their job. And they have an obligation to report the facts. And the facts are that the bill is horrible, that it's falling apart. Democrats are fighting. It's not the Republicans' fault. They've, you know, the Republicans have already said they're opposed to it. So it's not the Republicans' fault the bill isn't passing. It's the Democrats. So anyway, that just, that just burns my buttons, as they say. But anyway, we're getting a little long now. Um, next week, uh, if we have time, we'll cover some of the stories that I missed this week. But I hope everyone has a fantastic week. Hope everything goes well for you. And we'll see you back here next week uh, on the Home Splitacast. Have a good week. Bye, Bye everyone.